Country Life on Midlands 103. Brought to you by W. Orshaw Burlington Business Park Tullamore. Your main supplier of New Holland's tractors in the Midlands. Worshaw.ie. Now, good evening and welcome to Country Life here on Midlands 103. MJ Cleary with you for the next hour, bringing you the latest from the Midlands and further afield from the worlds of agriculture, food and agribusiness. Now, thank you all for joining me this evening and a quick week since I was speaking to you this time last week. And uh, as we know only too well, the month of May is just so, so important in the farming calendar, essentially determines how the rest of the year will play out. And we cannot complain at the moment. Some super rainfall since I was speaking to you all last. And this weekend, see some high temperatures with more rainfall promised for early next week so it's exactly what we want at the moment so uh, thank thank God for that. Now on to this evening's programme and a busy lineup here over the course of the next hour we're going to be talking about uh, grass growth and the topic of the weather is going to be uh, one of the topics for discussion at the Irish Grassland Association uh, event which they are having tomorrow week in the Hudson Bay Hotel in Athlone. It's their national sheep conference and it's a two pronged event. It has speakers in the morning followed by a farm walk in the afternoon so later I'll be covering the event to include speaking with Aoife Coyle. Uh, the walk will take place on the farm of Aoife and her dad, Padder, where they run a large-scale sheep and beef system a few miles outside Athlone in Curraboy, County Roscommon. Uh, the area of farmer health and well-being is something we visit regularly here on the programme because if you're not feeling fit and healthy, both mentally and physically, then how can you be expected to operate to high efficiency when running your business? Uh, but the answer is you can't. And uh, a recent survey shows that 27% of farmers feel their well-being is poor or below average so just over one in four Chagas are holding a seminar next Monday to look at this area and dealing with uncertainty and events outside of your control are just some of the areas that will be looked at so stay tuned for that Westmead farmer Jim Gagan breeds both commercial and pedigree Charlie cattle under his Lisna Grey herd just outside Moat He's been breeding for over 25 years and has bred some real quality into his herd over the years, winning awards at the Tullamore Show and achieving a top prize of €16,600 for a bull in the past. And uh, he'll admit it himself, it's a slow process to breed a herd of this nature. And for the majority of the time, he was also a part-time farmer. He was working as a plaster. He's only full-time over the last few years. We'll chat to Jim a little bit later here in the programme and learn about his enterprise from a passionate Charlie breeder. And as always, please text the show, which are comments, thoughts or questions to 083 30 10 103. Now to start the programme this evening we're going to look at the cattle and sheep trade with Darren Carty from the Irish Farmers Journal. Darren many thanks for taking my call this evening. Uh, thanks for having me on, Uh You're more than welcome, Darren. And uh, look, we we need every penny of it, Darren. There's no question about it, given the rising input costs, and uh, we need it and more. However, starting with the, the cattle trade, and specifically the mart trade, it is a really, really strong at the moment. Yeah, MJ, uh, we've seen this develop maybe over the last sort of six, nine months, and like at the start of the pandemic, we were bemoaning not being able to be in our own marts, and we were bemoaning, say, the switch to maybe online uh, bidding and getting used to that. But it's really transformed the whole mart trade. And what you see now is factory agents, uh, and particular northern buyers as well, really hungry for slaughter fit stock and not having to, say, be in marts, but being able to contact the mart manager. Uh, see what cattle are suitable and bid bid in from say their office from wherever they are and that's really perhaps to put another I suppose maybe 
new set of life into the mart trade and it's attracted more and more slaughter fish stock to the mart and to me look at that's great because it generates a lot more competition in the trade and it gives farmers an option that don't have to say deal directly with the factory if they have small numbers Looking at the figures here that are going through the marts, uh, Darren, it uh, really is, seems to be the place to go with fit stock at the moment, uh, especially if you're a smaller scale uh, finisher, maybe 10 or 15 cattle at, at the one time. And I know 10 or 15 cattle is still, still a good chunk of cattle, but if you're not large, large, large scale, I see on your mart bids here, uh, an animal, 790 kilos, it's sold for €3.19 a kilo. Uh, for just over two and a half thousand, that was a Charlie Cross bullock. Now an exceptional animal at just shy of eight hundred kilos, but uh, it basically is the equivalent, given uh, kilouts, uh, of five seventy a kilo if you were to get it in the factory. So it's 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 well 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 in advance of what you get as a factory price in the mart. Yeah, definitely. Look at it, and and you mentioned there, like it's it's a smaller producer that wouldn't have the negotiating power. But like that's an exceptional animal you mentioned there. But right across the country, you're seeing slaughterfish, Angus, Hereford, continental cattle breaking the three euro per kilo mark. And like if we were sitting here last year, that'd be sort of a dream. You would have said this. Yes, maybe the top Greenland's hitting three euros a kilo. But for slaughterfish animals, anywhere from five fifty kilos upwards to be hitting that they're coming into real money as you said like and even even anything with a bit of flesh at all that's suitable to be killed in the next sort of 40, 50, 60 days uh, factory agents are I suppose sort of competing very hard for those and specialist finishers as well and we're seeing prices ranging anywhere from sort of 270 to 280 kilo right up to over 3 euros a kilo uh, for them real suitable stock that can be turned over very quick and Darren, when we go down the, the food chain a small bit and we talk about store cattle, maybe year and a year, well, probably wouldn't be a year and a half at this stage, a year and two and three months old, like 2021 20, cattle. Uh, what's the, the trade like for those lighter, those maybe three to four hundred kilo animals? The trade is good in Jay, but it wouldn't be anywhere near as sort of hot as that. And I suppose that's coming from their longer term prospect. They'll be coming back out again more than likely say next spring or else they'll be finished out of the shed and there's a lot of maybe caution around that sort of an animal given the say where the talk is and concentrate prices and the cost of making silage you're looking for nice quality continentals there an average price of sort of 240 a kilo to 270 a kilo look there is still some of them say the smashing animals running into 280 to 3 euros a kilo but that's the sort of ballpark and even Excuse me. You've seen Angus and Hereford say dropping into that price range as well, and like good Frisians now are topping two euros a kilo. So like it's really, I suppose, a, a, a real solid trade for that. But once it drop well back, if you were to drop, say, for plainer animals, and in particular with poor weight for age animals that have struggled to come out at 13 months of age, but there's maybe year and a half, two year old cattle that are. 380, 400 kilos now. They're the ones that haven't changed in price and you're looking anywhere from 2 euros to 230 a kilo 
uh, for them lots back to maybe 150 a kilo, 160 a kilo for regions. Mm, and you can't blame uh, finishers in, in that regard either, Darren, because as you say, you know, there's so much risk there involved in the in the long term. Even the cattle in the 60, 70, 80 day bracket, like it's still, it's a long way down. Who knows where ration could be uh, in, in, in two and a half months time, given the way it's going. Uh, so there is a, there's still the big risk there. Um, that's the mar trade. And I suppose, look, it, it cracks on really. It's it's indicative of the, the factory trade. But uh, the one thing I want to look at on the factory trade is that of cows uh, cows just going great guns altogether in the factories yeah definitely and what you're seeing is a, a really I suppose maybe a solid trade for, for cow beef right across say continent Europe and that's putting a great floor under the trade here and what it's really brought in is uh, say some of the wholesale buyers uh, this, that normally would be sort of buying small numbers uh, would would be competing maybe for your better quality cows and the plants that are specialising in cows they're really driving the trade at the moment like and if you look at say the factory price table in this week's paper you'll see some of them plants averaging 5 euros a kilo for you grade cows like phenomenal sort of prices on that you'll even see all grade cows up 460, 470 kilo and like them good quality, say, or new grade cows or young cows, every bit as valuable now as a heifer. And that's a real sign of, I suppose, a flying sort of food service trade and, and a wholesale market. And like a lot of them uh, supplies are going out now in carcass form that you have the likes of them, say, cow specialist wholesale outlets or factories uh, killing cows and sending the carcasses out to France the Netherlands, uh, Italy is also pretty strong at the moment, uh, and some other countries like Germany and Belgium, they're more sort in the sort of cuts market. But there's a, there's a, I suppose there's the beauty about it at the moment is there's, there's competition from so many sources. There's, there's no overhang in the market. So any animals that are coming on are moving straight away, which means that, like, even though we're handling a big kill and handling big numbers at the moment, factories are very anxious to try and maximise throughput every week. Yeah, 100%. Uh, on to sheep, uh, Darren, and uh, uh, lower entries creating more competition. Are we in that kind of spot now at the moment where the, the hoggets are dying off and the spring lamb, really, the, the surge hasn't come yet and there's a, there's a little bit of a, a dip there? Definitely. Like, if we look at, say, last week's numbers... Uh, hoggett numbers dropped majorly like they were back 17,000 heads uh, now they were still up maybe seven or 8,000 on this week last year but spring lambs haven't come as strong spring lamb numbers were up about 5,000 on the week but they're running about 5,000 below this time last year as well and look it's a sign of the times I suppose there isn't many farmers feeding as heavy given the price concentrates we've had a late enough spring as well uh, so there hasn't been as I suppose spring lambs haven't trouble as well they've done well in the last two weeks but there isn't that sort of early sort of flush of lambs or single lambs from farmers that be lambing at the sort of in the February start of March coming on stream so you're in that I suppose maybe that sort of uh, period in between and it seemed that, I suppose a bit more bite coming into the trade We've seen Kildare Chilling increase their base quote to eight euros in the last few days for spring lambs. Uh, other factories are quoting seven ninety a kilo, but in general prices anywhere from eight euros to eight twenty. And also at the top of the market, maybe eight twenty five and eight thirty going. Uh, 
mostly sort of wholesale markets and again there's a good strong butcher trade there the only blip or the only thing that farmers need to be mindful of is that there is a lot of overweight land that's being killed at the moment and look at it for to keep the trade vibrant and to I suppose maybe keep keep demand and keep factories on their toes the last thing we need to be doing is sending free meat into them and that has also the potential to harm the carcass trade so look what I'd be saying is Keep lands moving at the price they're at. There's no fear, as far as I can see, uh, on markets at the moment. Uh, NJ does strong. Demand is very good across Europe, and we're not seeing any increase in New Zealand sheep meat coming on the market, which is having a major uh, positive for Irish exports in Belgium, France, uh, Germany, all the high-value markets. Irish sheep meat is doing very well at the moment out there. I uh, definitely agree with you there, uh, Darren. We don't be, don't be giving away the meat for free anyway, 100% on that. Uh, so keep them moving is the advice. Uh, quick word, uh, Darren, on a new uh, environmental scheme uh, announced by the department today. Um, maybe yesterday it came out, but it's this week. Uh, what, in, in a word, Darren, what's this about? Yeah, so very quickly, it's a farm environmental study. It's a pilot measure. There'll be 6,000 farmers taking interest. Basically, if you apply MJ and a successful and advisor will come out to your farm, he'll do an assessment office. He, what he's looking for is, is any habitats there. If there's habitats there, he'll measure them, he'll map them, he'll assess them. Uh, he'll also give you some information around mining habitats on improving uh, the environmental uh, biodiversity on your farm. And... In return for doing that, you'll get 200 euros for, for competing in it. So what the department get out of it? They want to build a, nat- a national picture on what habitats are there. And also they'll use this going forward, they said, in some other schemes, uh, in knowing what's there and uh, being able to prioritise that for scheme entries in the next cap. 100%. Uh, Darren, great rundown there on everything I have to say. And many thanks. We'll speak to you again on the programme. Thanks, MJ. Uh, Darren Carty there from the Farmer's Journal and a buoyant trade, as Darren was saying there. And the message really is, especially with the beef side of things, the Mart, Mart, Mart is the place to go. Smaller numbers, cows, everything. Let the factory agents compete uh, against each other in the Mart online. Uh, You have buyers from all different angles and uh, it just seems to be the, the place to go um, north of three euros a kilo they're happening for heavy cattle heavy cows regularly and a strong trade uh, down throughout as well good sheep trade as well and uh, hopefully that price will hold when the flush of lambs come on now in a few weeks time now coming up next we're talking about Charlie cattle and uh, Jim Gagan from Westmead is going to be speaking to me about his Lisna Grey herd so stay tuned for that and you're very welcome back to Country Life here on Midlands 103 now we're moving over to County West Mead and we have Charlie breeder Jim Gagan on the line. Jim, many thanks for taking my call this evening here on the programme. Good evening, Andrew. Um, Jim, a lovely write-up in yesterday's Farming Independent. I have it here in front of me, two-page special in it. Uh, a few lovely pictures of your stock and indeed yourself here in one of them. And uh, we'll speak about your herd in a moment and where it's currently at. But first, let's go back in time. Let's rewind the clock. I know you're a, a plasterer by trade. Um, were you always farming, Jim, or was it something you got into uh, later in life? I was interested from the time I was going to school. I always had my own few cattle and... Uh farm with my father and took over the farm in 1990 and um, bought other land then in 92 and uh, just was feeding uh, beef cattle like heifers and um, 
accidentally won the bars the first pedigree in 1996. That, w- that was a good accident that happened, Jim, back in 96. Uh, and yeah, you, you hadn't intended, you hadn't intended in getting into the pedigrees, no? I was admiring them for a long time, but never thought it was going to uh, just make the break so quick. And uh, I just started, um, got into them quicker than I thought. I started flushing, flushing um, the first one, and I went the next day to Nias and bought another heifer, and gradually uh, 13 receipts arrived there one day. <laughs> In calf, so I wasn't long about getting in. No, you weren't long about getting into a herd with that, uh, with that, those kind of numbers. But a lot of people at the pedigree game, uh, Jim, they're full-time farmers, uh, given uh, the time commitment and calving, as you said, the flush inside of it and, and all of that. But you were doing all this while you were working as well. You were working full-time at the time. You were in the construction industry. And um, that poses its own difficulties. You were a busy man back in the day. Was busy working in Dublin, yeah, yeah, busy, um, yeah, and the kids were small. I suppose probably one of my grades I got in a bit early, but uh, my eldest was twelve and the youngest was only three, and uh, a lot of um, quality time went on the on the farm morning and evening as well. Mm. Yeah, everyone was involved. And the herd you have now at the moment, uh, Jim, which you've built up, your Liz and the Grey herd, as it's called, uh, look, you've got on very well with it. You're, 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 you're going great guns with it and some great breeding uh, now. Uh, you've won awards at the Tullamore Show and uh, you sold a bull for over 16,000. It was 16,600. So, um, yeah, that was, that was my top price, yeah. 13, 13 and a half was next after that, yeah. Um, but, um, I don't know, pirates are breed there now we've done it was very good to me there I was always done well with him you need an exceptional cow to breed a bull by pirate a lot of bulls between five and ten thousand Jupiter I have men coming back to me since so over 20 years now playing bulls at me every year well when they need them but and I suppose the 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 good story or the positive story here, uh, Jim, is that uh, a lot of times we're talking to breeders and uh, the bulls are going heading to the to the dairy herd. But uh, this is a full beef story because uh, none of your bulls are going going to the going to the dairy herd. They're all going back into into suckler or commercial or pedigree or, or, or oh, wherever they're heading. Yeah, yeah. But um, and you have people coming back and come back. So guys are making money basically. Is the is the nub of it all? Ah, yeah, yeah. There's a few in particular, yeah. Um, and your your current herd now, Jim. You have a, a kind of a, a split pedigree and commercial herd. Uh, how how is it split? What sort of numbers are, are one and the other? How does it work at the moment? Well, I used to keep over thirty pedigree cows. I'm down to about twenty five now, and I have you know, twenty five commercials. But then I have embryos planted in twenty heifers this year. Second year this year, planted twenty one. Embryos got twenty pregnancies, and uh, ten out of ten to Richard Duff, um, champion embryo of Bally Finn. Never seen support for for Ronald Nicholas. Yeah, leash man. A lot, a lot of uh, a lot of the um, the breeders would be w- w- well familiar with him, but that was an exceptional result. Twenty pregnancies yeah. from twenty one embryos. Uh, kind of kind of unbelievable. You'd you'd, you'd never hear a, a result like that. Well, I'm a long time at it. I'm just well, you make a lot of mistakes before you get it right. But uh, it's all about preparing, preparing the recipients and minerals and uh, get them right for today. And, uh, and to push your donor cows, you have to have everything right on the day. And, uh, and those uh, those recipient heifers you're using, uh, Jim Fardos embryos. Where where are you sourcing them, or what's your model for that side of the business? Sourcing them in the mar. I'm trying to get the 
dairy bread stocks, particularly cementals. You know, they're, they're, they're buckled fed, they're quiet, they have lots of milk. And, uh, you know, you move them on, it's a two-year cycle. You buy, say, this August, and to be calving next following year, August, September, you you move them on, and the following August, and the calf is reared, and you're buying in again, so it's... It's a, yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's a cyclical thing I suppose that's the benefit of the there's a there's a there's a lot of those out there coming from the dairy herd and it, it suits what you're doing very well yeah this suits exactly what I'm doing yeah it's not for further you know I'm not going out by a, a U grade or an R grade I may as well something with milk and that's how yeah it's kind of the best of both worlds, though, uh, Jim, isn't it? Because the thing with those finely bred uh, Charlies, especially the cows, like you know, milk wouldn't be their strongest, strongest point. So uh, by doing no. the embryo, you have you have the best of both worlds. You have good milk and good temperament, and then you have a quality calf as well. Yeah, you're 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 good pedigree. You're good pedigree heifer there. You could have keep her and have a calf and a three-year-old, and find one wrong, you have to do a cesarean, and you could you might you might go back and calf with the other embryos. They're all caesareans, but it doesn't matter if they don't go back and calf. They're going to be moved on anyway. So. Yeah. Uh, your uh, your sales method now at the moment, uh, Jim, how, how do you work? Do you go through uh, the Charlie sales? Do you sell at home? Do you sell online? What's uh, What way are you, are you moving on your uh, stock? I sell, sell a few in the sale, and I sell mostly at home now. You know, and the sales are quite down. man rang yesterday and wanted a bull, and the hurry came up and yeah, well, it, it, and, and, and when you have a name, uh, when you have your name built up as well. And uh, Jim, you're doing all this on your own as well. You're calving down all these cows, you're doing the embryo transfer, you're doing all of this work uh, on, on your own, which uh, is testament to a, a hard work and ethos, I'd say. For the calving side of things, what's your... Uh, yeah, are you using cameras? Are you using moo calls? Are you down in the shed twice during the night? What way do you work? Uh, I use the camera. Uh, use the camera. Well, the recipes, the recipes are all induced. Uh, my lessons next door, and uh, we plan to do say, maybe five a day. So induced them in the cabin thirty six to forty eight hours. So yeah, so you have the guesswork taken out on those. And uh, Jim, for your your, it's um obviously nice to have a, a family involved in, in something like this. You have a you have a son with an interest, but he's 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 further afield at the moment. He's uh, he's down in the southern hemisphere, I believe. But he's 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 uh, contacting his own cows and calves here, and he does knows exactly what's happening over there. Yeah, he's he's interested. That's the uh, the great thing about technology now, Jim, with the likes of WhatsApp and whatnot. You can send pictures down, and no matter where anyone is in the world, they can be right beside you at the touch of a button. Oh, yeah, he's definitely calling me in nice. He's entered a cow cabin there. <laughs> he's in Australia. He's watching. Maybe, maybe the uh, shift in time suits well, Jim, when he's uh, the middle of the night here. It's probably in the morning over there. Uh, That's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Jim, I'm going to say to you many thanks for joining me in the programme and giving a giving a rundown. As I said, lovely write up yesterday, and uh, nice to see someone uh, going well in a complete uh, beef enterprise and uh, going going more than well, going excellently. Uh, we wish you all the best in the future, Jim, and many thanks for joining us here in the programme this evening. Thanks very much, MJ. Thank you. Uh, Jim Gagan there from just outside Moat and it's the Listen to Grey herd and uh, if you're interested in any bulls or you want to contact uh, they have a Facebook page and it's L-I-S-N-A-G-R-E and uh, quality quality livestock there and uh, a man who's 
very passionate about the Charlie breed. It's great to hear. Uh, now, coming up after the break, we're going to be talking about farmer health and well-being. And with over one in four farmers reporting that their well-being is poor, uh, we will be talking about where to go and what to do if you're in such a position. So stay tuned for that. And you're very welcome back to Country Life here on Midlands 103. And we are moving on to the area of farmer health and well-being. And we have uh, David Meredith on the line from Chagas. David, many thanks for taking my call this evening. Uh, thanks very much, MJ. Uh, you have an event next week, uh, David, on that given topic that we're speaking about health and well-being. And uh, with 27% of farmers reporting that their well-being is poor or below average, events such as these are badly needed. Well, uh, the the whole purpose of the uh, the event, which is on a Monday afternoon, uh, is to bring together people who are working in this area or have undertaken research in it uh, to share knowledge uh, and to identify what steps need to be taken uh, and if the services that farmers need are in place and if not, um, to to scope those out and see how they can be delivered. And your day job, uh, David Witchogas, is this exact area. It's. Uh, can you just g- illustrate to us what what you do on a daily basis, please? So uh, my responsibility would be for uh, a research program that involves uh, a range of projects that are mainly focused around issues of farmer health, farmer well-being, and farm safety. Uh, so that's the the broad areas that I would cover. But the, the primary reason that Chagas are interested in these um, this research relates to the fact that uh, this is fundamental to the social sustainability of farmers and farming. Uh, we need to get the, the safety on the farm right, but we need to get the health and well-being of farmers right as well. Uh, so all of these things contribute to um, enhancing the social sustainability of farming and, most importantly, farmers. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. There's no question about it, David. But I suppose we need to we need to think like that. Are you finding when you go around doing this research and when you're talking to farmers, uh, they're still maybe a little bit uh, backward as opposed to forward when it comes to mental health and well-being? Uh, it's a, an interesting question. Um, what we're increasingly seeing is farmers being open enough about um, talking about mental health and well-being issues. Now, it's rare that someone will use the term mental health, but people are comfortable enough talking about stress uh, and talking about the things that are causing causing them stress. And they're also comfortable enough using terms like well-being as well. Uh, and that that's a really positive sign because I think, you know, traditionally um, people would be very close and very reluctant to talk to anyone about uh, these sorts of issues in the past. Uh, and that's probably still the case for some some farmers, um, but it's important for for farmers and for people who support farmers to realise that, you know, just like the rest of society, um, there is a greater openness and a recognition that we all uh, experience stress, and that impacts on our well-being and how we feel about ourselves and others, uh, and that it isn't something that we need to suffer through alone. 
I see here as well at your event on Monday, you have a speaker from Reading University, uh, Dr. David Christian Rose, who's doing a lot of research in this area. And uh, just a quote from him here, he said, in advance of the seminar, uh, farmers face a unique set of acute and chronic stressors, including farm bureaucracy, climate change, animal and crop disease outbreaks, time pressures, workplace hazards. The list goes on and on and on. But when I look at these, I say to myself, a lot of these are outside of the farmer's control. So it is something that can really get in on someone when the weather, for example, uh, thankfully, weather, grass is growing well at the moment and uh, we're looking like we're going to have a good silage season, uh, all going well. But it's something that, you know, you can't really do anything about and it can cause major, major stress on you and it's one of those areas that uh, farmers are just there's just so many different things coming at them outside of their control that it's easy to let things just get that little bit uh, too much well, and, and this is really that unique aspect of farming by comparison to virtually all other occupations it's the fact that there's the, the farmers can control some of what they do but a lot of what they do is outside their direct control so as you said, things like weather and climate, um, and then you, animal diseases, uh, a huge cause of stress for farmers. Uh, and then you've got you know changes in policy. So farmers are looking ahead and thinking, should they be investing in particular ways, but not really being certain what the policy is going to look like in five years' time, when you know if they're going to the bank and borrowing, um, they'll still be paying back those debts. So this is where you know for farmers the the issues around um, that the nature of the job can can in themselves be stressful. But what we found is that it's rarely one thing that causes a problem for a farmer. So the weather might be bad, but farmers are well used to the weather being bad mm-hmm. and, and, and coping with that. But it's where a number of things come together. So it could be the weather is bad, yields aren't good, or we'll say there's a fodder shortage, And now all of a sudden there's issues with animals as well in terms of either them going out of condition or a need to buy an additional feed that puts the farm and farmer under financial pressure. So it's never just the one thing. It's the combination of a number of stressors, three or four that come together that really impact on people. And they go and and people can move quite quickly from coping to being in, in a bad place. And the, the, the challenge is for people to recognize that and to take action early on. And when I say people here, yes, farmers themselves to be proactive uh, in thinking ahead, but also people around farmers. So it could be family, it could be friends, it could be neighbors. Uh, and I'm, I'm looking out and, and asking farmers, uh, you know, how are they doing? Are there particular issues that are getting in on them? And not so much in terms of prying or in any way being, you know, try, trying to uh, be nosy in any way, but more from the point of view of saying, listen, if you need to talk, um, that it could be a family member or a friend who's there for them, or to signpost them towards a professional such as their GP um, or a service uh, in the local community, or maybe if they don't want to do that, to talk to one of the national services in this area.
Yeah, as you said, there is lots and lots and lots of help out there. It is a matter of just uh, just asking for it. Your event on Monday, David, is taking place. It's uh, from 2 to 4 p.m. and it is in the Chagas Centre in Ashtown, um, Dublin 15. And as you said, if, uh, if people maybe aren't in a position to go at, to, to that specific event, but if they're not feeling well, it is a matter of just asking for help and not being afraid. That's kind of the key message we want to put out there this evening. That's, that's very much it. And if it's the case that, you know, people don't feel comfortable talking to some, you know, a stranger or somebody outside of farming, there are particular organizations within uh, farming that are dealing with these these issues. And I'm thinking here of Make the Move. Um, they're, they're one good example of uh, people who have come together to support farmers. Uh, David, I'm going to say many thanks for joining me this evening, giving a great rundown there on a really, really important area uh, for everybody, people involved in agriculture and, as you say, uh, farmers, but also uh, relatives and, and people who may be neighbours of farmers and whatnot and uh, not be afraid to just ask them how they're doing. I'll say many thanks for joining me this evening, David, and we'll speak to you again on the programme. OK, thanks very much, MJ. Uh, Dr. David Meredith there from Chagas. And as we said, that event is on Monday from 2 to 4 p.m. and it's in Chagas Ashtown. And if you just uh, pop onto the Chagas website, you'll get details of it. But as we said, uh, the survey came back saying 27% of farmers reporting their well-being is poor. So that's over one in four. And uh, if you are in that position, uh, not to be afraid to say it to uh, your GP if you're going to it or even your Chagas advisor and they'll point you in the right direction. Um, anyone at all that can uh, give you a, help, a helping hand and as David said there the main thing when you're in that position is taking action um, uh, be it whatever position you're in uh, in action will just lead to bigger bigger problems action will remove or help to remove the problems uh, once you start moving in the right direction uh, coming up after the break we're going to start we will be talking I should say about uh, grass and the Irish Grassland Association they have a specific sheep conference next week in the Hudson Bay Hotel in Athlone. So stay tuned and you'll hear all, all about that in just a moment. And you're welcome back to Country Life here on Midlands 103. And we're talking about the Irish Grassland Association's Sheep Conference and Farm Walk now. And uh, firstly, I'm going to be talking to Alan Bohan from the organisation. Alan, many thanks for taking my call this evening. Thanks for having me on, Andre. Uh, Alan, you have a big lineup here. Actually, it's a it's a really good lineup, I have to say. I'm looking through your brochure here, and uh, what I like about it is you have it broken up into a morning session, which has speakers, and you're in the in the hotel. You're seeing what all this is about, and then in the afternoon, you're popping out onto a, a farm walk. So you're having your dinner, then you're going on the farm walk, and you're seeing what's happening on a on a real life farm. I have Aoife uh, Coyle uh, on as well. I'll be talking to Aoife in a moment, but it's a, it's a good system. It's a it's a nice timetable. So look at Andrew, we're in we're in the Hudson Bay uh, Hotel in the morning time from ten o'clock. We have three speakers in the morning for some of the, the heavy technical stuff while while people are have lots of energy in them and then in the afternoon we uh we head off out onto the coils farm there just uh, in Roscommon. And the uh, the speakers that you have, I know you're you're given a, a a little paper yourself, uh, Alan, at the outset. And one of the areas you're looking at is uh, the not too much talked about uh, mastitis in yours. I see is one of the topics that's up on it. Uh, wouldn't be something that you would be hearing about all the time, but it is a, a prevalent problem all the same. Yeah. So I myself, I'm just chairing the conference, but it, it, it's Ryan Duffy you're referring to there is the is the vet with Hipra that's coming in on the mastitis. So look at it, mastitis is obviously an issue that's on every sheep farm. Uh, it's not it's not talked about as much because it's it's spread out across the year and there's various causes and various issues and it's probably one of them 
diseases that we you know we deal with it and try and forget about it. Um, so it's great to have Ryan on board for that. He's going to go through some of the technical stuff that causes it, and hopefully farmers can can take something away and implement it on their own farms at home. And uh, Clover and uh, Clover Incorporation is is big talk in uh, in all other areas, especially especially dairy and the high use of nitrogen. Uh, but also for uh, for sheep, it is important also and can be used. And you have a speaker on that as well. So uh, interesting seeing it being uh, pushed across into the into the sheep uh, section as well as uh, beef and dairy. Yeah, so look, we're, we're all well aware of this stage now with the price of, of nitrogen and, and looking for alternatives to, to grow grass. And Clover has, is something that's been used for years upon years. Uh, in recent times, we've probably got a little over dependent on our synthetic fertilizers. So um, when farmers try and incorporate it into sheep sward, it can be hard enough to get into sheep sward because, look, it's so dense, uh, it's hard to get light down to it. So we've Dr. Philip Creighton from Chagasat and Rye. He's coming over to, to give a, a, a talk on that. But he's lots of experience in that area, and hopefully he'll be able to to help farmers, you know, answer some of the technical questions around it. And then, kind of a follow-on from that in the afternoon, when we're out on Coyle's farm. Um, it was something that Paller tried to implement before. Like a lot of sheep farmers, struggle to get the clover going. We've actually done a bit of a clover demo on farm, where we've seeded clover there, stitched it in in early April. So. Uh, people who are in attendance in the day they'll get the technical in the morning from Philip and then the actual you know how does it work on farm in the afternoon yeah yeah, very good to see it uh, see it in real life Uh, final speaker then you have is a a northern uh, speaker from uh, Roger Bell from County Antrim and he's talking about uh, technology adoption on his farm yeah so look at Roger Bell his wife Hillary they're they're well known in in sheep circles very um, forward-thinking sheep farmers they have themselves you know delta clover and multi-species swords and, and just a high output sheep system so it, it's lovely after the technical papers the first two technical papers to get you know something you know direct from the horse's mouth so to speak from a, from a sheep farmer himself and uh be interested for those attendants to, to hear his story yeah very good if people are interested in attending uh, alan and it's tomorrow week so there's lots of time yet um what pick up the phone to the grassland association uh, if you're a member i presume you'll you'll be aware of it but if you're not a member can you still go absolutely yeah yeah so we have a we have a members rate there and a non-members rate um if you log on to uh, irishgrasslandassociation.ie look at you can you can sign up on there if not you'll see the contact details there for the office you can give more a ring and she'll get you set up if there is people coming in a group as part of a discussion group there's a special rate for that um look at there's there's a good bit of, of organization and, and cost running this event but sort of the fee there of of um an entry fee but anyone who comes you're getting your refreshments in the morning and there's dinner in the hotel before we go into the farm so it's still, it's still a good value event I know 100% and as you say lots of logistics there to organise it I'll say many thanks Alan and I'll, I'll, oh, I wish you well with it. hope you get a big line up and I'm going to pop across here now and I'm going to talk to the uh, farmer that uh, the event is going to be with in the afternoon and that's Aoife Coyle from Curraboy in South Ross Common you're farming there with your dad Padder and Aoife many thanks for taking my call this evening you're welcome, MJ. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's a wonder, actually, if time to answer the phone, Aoife, uh, because I'm looking at what you're at here. 575 mid-season lambing yews, 40 suckler cows, and a dairy calf to beef system finishing 50 bullocks annually. Uh, well, you're definitely not lazy, anyway. <laughs> there's no question about that. <laughs> No, there's no shortage of work around it. Um, let's start with the yews as, as it's a, a sheep event. So uh, the 575 yews, how do you lamb those down? If they're in the one block, are they broken up? Uh, when does it occur? When's your lamb your busy period? Um, well, we 
we land from around the 6th of March onwards and we land them all in one block. So we land them all indoors. Um, and the first three weeks will probably be the busiest. So it's probably over a six-week period to land. And how was the how was the lambing season for you this year? Did you get a, get, get get through it? Was there much trouble? Um, there wasn't actually that much trouble now. There was the usual, but you have that. But uh, no, we were happy enough that it was successful enough. Like yeah. the weather played a fair bit in it too. So we yeah, nice weather. Very, very, very good. And uh, you're also running a, a, a beef system on the side. Considering it's a, a grassland event, you're going to be looking at, when people go out to your farm, they're going to be looking at an overview of the farm. So essentially what we just talked about there, what what, what uh, all the different enterprises are. They're going to be looking at grassland management and flock performance. And uh, just on that one for a moment, say grassland management, uh, your land is uh, broken up into a few different uh, blocks. Can you explain the, the enterprise, how it works please, uh, Aoife. Yeah, so we have the home farm, say, in one block with the farmyard, and that'd be the owned land. And then we have four out farms, say, for the dairy, pasture, beef system, and there's groups of yolds out there as well, and all our silage we got from south farms. So then at home, then it'd be the sucklers and then the groups of yolds and lambs as well. So we'd operate a mixed grazing system at home then with the sucklers and the sheep yeah. in about three groups. Yeah, fantastic. So they're um, they're grazing together, and you find that's good, good clean out of the paddocks as a result of that. Well, uh, yeah, yeah, good utilisation. Very little waste after them, kind of like and stuff, and they'd be only getting two. The paddocks be set to size only two, two to three days maximum in paddocks. Yeah. They're moving on quickly enough. And yeah, that, yeah. They're, they're getting the fresh pick. Uh, you're al- you're also going to be talking about uh, soil fertility, fertilizer use, and as Alan said, there the clover establishment. Uh, so that'll be very interesting for people who uh, are uh, seeing the the scientific paper at the start about the clover establishment, and then actually going out to your farm and and seeing it. Um, how uh, how are you liking the um, the clover that's been tilled in? Uh, Eva has been doing well for you. Uh, yeah, no, we're happy enough that it's coming on well. Um, yeah, because we sold it, it was probably a couple of years ago now, and we didn't have that good of a um, result out of it. But no, this one, we're happy enough with this one now. Yeah, very good. Uh, I see fertiliser use as well, and look, it's the, the bane of all farmers' lives uh, this season. But uh, given your stock and density, I'm presuming you didn't have much choice other than to, to kind of go a, a, as normal with a fertiliser plan this year? Um. Yeah, yeah. No, we just kind of catch uh, what we are used to, and just like what we did. Year, like last year and the year before and that we didn't change it up that much and um, we couldn't couldn't really do it because it affected us too much the performance wise and stuff so we're just as well to stick with it this year yeah. obviously it'll change next year like but for this year we kept just the way it was yeah, well, fingers crossed for next year. Um, we'll um, we'll we'll hope that things might uh, might go back to uh, uh, somewhat near normal, but we won't hold our breath yet. Okay. Uh, Aoife, I, I'm going to say many thanks for uh, coming on and just giving us that little rundown there. And um, when farmers attend the event, uh, they can chat to yourself and your dad directly. Uh, you have a lot of stuff going on there, and look, um, it's uh, interesting to see what other farmers are doing. So many thanks for joining me this evening, Aoife. No problem. Thanks for having me. Uh, and I'm going to say many thanks to Aoife and to Alan there uh, from the uh, Grassland event. And uh, that event is on tomorrow week and you can make contact with the Irish Grassland Association should you wish to uh, get involved and wish to attend. And uh, that is it for this evening's programme. I'm going to start thanking all my guests now over the course of the last hour. Uh, give me one second because this intro... There, I had to press a button uh, which I couldn't find because it was pages all over. Uh, now I found it and I have... 
about 40 seconds to thank everybody. So to thank uh, Aoife and Alan there uh, as part of that event, Dr. David Meredith from Chagas uh, talking about mental health and well-being, a really important topic as always. Jim Gagan from County Westmead who came on and spoke to us about his listener Grey Herd and also Darren Carty back at the start of the hour who gave us a great rundown on the trade at the moment, including that environmental survey. If you wish to be involved, you go onto your ag food and you click yes on it and it's first come, first serve. Now, that's it for this evening. I'll be back with you this time next week as always. And uh, hopefully that rain comes the early days of next week, fingers crossed. Uh, the programme is repeated Sunday morning at that earlier time of 6am. You can listen to the programme on the Listen Back section of the Midlands 103 website if you pop onto it anytime you want. And I'm going to say goodnight and God bless. Joe Cooney is up next with Country Roads. Thank you.